Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 13. If we have a short sermon this morning, you can thank the Hood family sitting behind me. They have been discussing all morning where they're going to eat after church. They've got me so far craving catfish, Japanese, and cookout, chili dogs. So um, they flung a craving on me for all kind of different things. So I may hurry up and get through so uh, I can go eat with them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, Brock Woodard asked me last Sunday after church, he said, was my sermon too short? And I, I told him in church life, Brock, a short sermon means a return sermon. So... <laughs> Uh, Exodus chapter 13 I'm going to begin uh, reading I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13 in verse number 17 and we'll concentrate on verse number 19 God's word says this when Pharaoh let the people go God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines although that was near for God said lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would bless every moment from this point forward. We pray, dear Father, that something that we take in today from your word will give us strength for this week or give us perseverance for what we may face. Whatever it is that you need to accomplish in our lives, we pray that you would accomplish it through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As we said earlier, this is Memorial Day weekend. It's a day for remembering. Now, like you, when I was a kid, what I equated Memorial Day with was this. I realized as an elementary school student that when it got close to Memorial Day, what was going to happen? School was out. And so Memorial Day was one of my favorite days of the year because I knew the closer we got to Memorial Day, the closer we were to not having to get up and go to school every morning and having a summer. But as I have grown older and as I have become more aware of what Memorial Day means, it has a much greater impression upon me. Memorial Day is a day for remembering those who died in military service. Yesterday in Piedmont, we had a service at the uh, Veterans Park memorializing and honoring those uh, men and women who had given their lives in military service. We talked about, we honored Gold Star families, families who had lost a loved one in, in time of war or in military service. And there were some wonderful um, there were some real poignant stories told there yesterday by some of the pastors who spoke. Some of the things that I didn't know about them that they talked about yesterday and some of the things that they brought out in their own families. And in listening to them, 
I realize that there is great value of remembering loved ones who went this way. There are great lessons learned from those people. Oftentimes, the faith that they demonstrated in life refreshes our faith. And so we honor those people on this weekend. Joseph of, the, of Genesis chapter 35 through chapter 50, he had a plan to be remembered. And Moses honored him by carrying out that plan. Now, even if you're not an everyday Bible reader, even if you're not someone who sits down every day and, and pours through the Scripture and reads through the Scripture systematically every year, we all, if we've been in church at any length of time, we all know who Joseph is. Joseph in his coat of many colors, and Joseph in his dreams, and Joseph who went ahead to Egypt to save his family. We all know those stories from Sunday school or vacation Bible school or from sermons that we've heard and listened to. Joseph is one of the central figures of the Old Testament. Joseph is really my favorite uh, biblical character uh, from the Old Testament. But Joseph wanted, he had a plan to be remembered. Joseph said, I want my bones to be taken with the Israelites up to Canaan when they leave. At there at the end of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, in verses 24 and 25, as we see Joseph dying, he said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Now, 200 years has passed since Joseph made this request of his brothers. 200 years have passed between Genesis chapter 50 and Exodus chapter 13 where we are this morning. Now, when Joseph died in Egypt, we have to remember this. Joseph was a national hero. Joseph was honored only second to the Pharaoh. And when Joseph died, he was a great hero to the people, not only of Egypt, but to the people of the known world at that time. Because it was the plan that Joseph devised that saved all the people from starving to death. Joseph had a great plan that he had taken from a dream, a Pharaoh's dream, and he had put this plan together. And so Joseph was a hero in the nation of, in, in the nation of Egypt. And so he had to be buried in Egypt. But as the scriptures tell us there in the first chapter of Exodus, Many years have passed, and now comes a Pharaoh who didn't remember Joseph and didn't remember the great things about Joseph. And so Joseph was no longer a national hero in Egypt, and his bones could be moved from Egypt without anybody protesting. So this morning, as we look at that verse number 19 and chapter 13 of Exodus, I want to bring out some points that it reminds us of especially as we memorialize people. The scriptures here remind us of Joseph's life and death. Now, this weekend, there, many people will go and they will remember their loved ones at gravesites. Many, many uh, cemeteries uh, throughout our nation will have special days tomorrow honoring those who are buried there who, who fell in, in, in military service. 
tomorrow at Arlington, if, if tradition holds true, the president will probably go and lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And so we know that tomorrow will be a day of remembering loved ones, but it's more than just memorials. It's more than just placing a flag or some flowers there on a gravesite. What it is is we remember the person. We remember the personality. We remember the things about that person that made them who they are and what made them so special to us. Moses here was remembering Joseph, and he was honoring Joseph. And these are the things that the people of Israel remembered about Joseph. They remembered that he was the son of Jacob. The son of Jacob, whose name later became, whose name was Israel, and that he was hated by all of his brothers. We've talked about Joseph was hated. His brothers were jealous of him because of his coat of many colors and because of the prophetic dreams that he had that he went and told his brothers about. His brothers didn't like him because Jacob would send him out to the field to make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And if they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, guess what, Jacob, guess what Joseph did? He went back and told Jacob. Joseph was obviously Jacob's favorite, and the other brothers knew it. And so they hated him, and they despised him. And the nation of Israel remembered that. They remembered that he, his brothers sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. They remembered that Jacob, his father, thought that he was dead. They remembered how his brothers took his coat of many colors and dipped it in what? The blood of a lamb. And they sent it back, and they took it back to Jacob, and they said, this son of yours, the animals have killed him and torn him apart. They remembered how his brothers had to return to Egypt to get food. And they remembered the story of how Joseph lovingly revealed himself to his brothers and then he provided for them. The very brothers who had hated him and who had sold him into slavery, Joseph revealed himself to them and then he provided for them. And they remembered that when he died, they were to take his bones out of Egypt and they were to carry them with them into the land of Canaan. You see, what Joseph is and what Joseph was, Joseph was what we call a type and shadow of the old, in the Old Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph, through his story and through the character that he revealed, he is a very, he's very similar to to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. Joseph was hated by his brothers. Jesus said that he w Jesus was hated by many men. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph provided and revealed himself and provided for his brothers Jesus saves us and sustains us and promises us eternal life ahead. Joseph said for, for his family, to uh, he revealed himself that Jesus died where he had revealed himself as Savior. There as he revealed himself to his disciples, there in Jerusalem in the upper room, later on, he, in just a few short hours, 
he would die for their very sins. Joseph said, remember me and take me out of Egypt into Canaan. And Jesus told his disciples there, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And as Christians this morning, in everyday life, in every situation, we are to remember Jesus as we make our journey on to heaven. So the scriptures remind us of Joseph and his life and death, but the scriptures remind us so importantly of the resurrection that is to come. Joseph's instruction was given in faith. Now think about this. In Hebrews 11 and 22, it says, By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now I want you to think about this. Imagine this. Imagine having the faith to sit there as you're dying and to say, 200 years from now, I know and I believe that you're going to take my bones and you're going to take me out of Egypt and you're going to take me where, into Canaan where you're going. Imagine what faith it took to believe that that would actually happen. Imagine Joseph and, and what he had been through in his life. No one could have greater faith than what Joseph had as he was, so, as he was put into a pit and then taken out of that pit and sold into slavery. He finds himself in Potiphar's house in a great situation, and all of a sudden he finds himself going from Potiphar's house into a dungeon in a prison in a pit, and then God takes him miraculously again and takes him out of that pit and makes him second only to Pharaoh. Joseph, in his day-to-day -day walk, had learned to rely and to trust and have faith in God, and so as he's lying there on his deathbed, he has no other reason than to say, I have so much faith in God that I know that when you leave from Egypt and you go to the promised land, you're going to take my bones and I'm going to go with you. Man, think about our everyday life. Think about all the things that God has done for us. Think about all the things that he's taken us through and carried us through. Think about all the situations and maybe any trial and tribulation that he's brought us through. Think about the highs and the lows that we've had in our journey with Jesus. And know that someday as we lie there and we're close to taking our last breath, we can have the faith in knowing because our sins have been forgiven, we have the faith in knowing that throughout eternity we will be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought to have this morning knowing that Joseph had faith enough to believe that he was going to be taken out of Egypt. Joseph was now, he's not looking just at Canaan and going there. He's looking beyond Canaan to the kingdom that's going to be established someday. Again in Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 39 and 40, it says this, And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Joseph knew that there was something even better beyond Canaan. He knew that the Israelites were going to go into the promised land that God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, but he knew that beyond that there was a kingdom that God was going to establish that was even greater than the promised land that he had promised Israel. And he knew that someday, not 
that his bones were going to be in Canaan, but he knew that someday there would be a resurrection and he would see the Lord face to face. He didn't see death as an end for him. He knew that his body was not going to stay in that grave in Egypt. He knew that they were going to take him from that grave and they were going to carry him out. Listen, there was a moment in time where Jesus said, It is finished. Where Jesus on a cross at Calvary said, It is finished. And he gave up his life. And he put his spirit into the hand of the Father. And he knew that he was going. He knew the plan was for them to take him from that cross and to put him in a tomb. But you know what he knew as he took those dying breaths? He knew that he wasn't going to stay in that tomb. He knew that he was going to be miraculously raised by the Spirit of God. And he knew as he went there that he was not going to stay there. And we should remember this, this weekend especially as we concentrate so much on those whose lives have been given and, and taken in military service. We should remember as we look at those graves and we see the, the, the massive amount of people there, we should be reminded that someday many of those men and women are going to be resurrected because of the power and the cross and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible gives us a great promise that because Christ arose, someday you and I will rise again. The great promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 22 and 23 says this, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. You see, I have the hope of a resurrection. I have the hope of an, eternal, uh, an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to, church, to the church at Thessalonica, he, so, he told them this, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about what's going on. He said, a lot of you are going to die and you're going to go to a grave. He said, but I want you to understand this. Those of you who witness these things, you don't grieve as the rest of the world grieves without hope, but you grieve with hope of the what? The hope of the resurrection. You grieve with the hope of knowing that someday there will be a resurrection and not we will be reunited not only with those loved ones who've gone on before us, but most importantly, we will be with the one who gave his life for us on Calvary. We will be with Christ for eternity. Jesus rose, and we believe, and we know that someday there'll be a resurrection for us. And this scripture reminds us that God gives us a great promise of heaven. Joseph's words there, in verse number 24, 50th chapter of Genesis, he says this, God will bring you out of this land. God will bring you out of this land. You see, as, as Joseph, as, as he's dying, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew children, they are in favor with the people of Egypt. They are, they are smiled upon by the Pharaoh. They are looked upon with pleasure by the people of Egypt. There's something in Joseph's heart and in his soul that knows that that won't always be. And he knows that as this nation of, of Hebrews, as they grow and as they multiply and as they become a great nation of their own, that the people of Egypt will become seriously threatened by them. And they will enslave them and they will make their slavery a harsh and hard daily reality. 
And Joseph has a sense of knowing this. And Joseph, Joseph is telling them, as they're sitting there and, they're, and he's telling them these words, he's saying someday God's going to bring you out of this land. Those brothers that he is saying that to are probably thinking, why would we want to leave this land right now? While this, they, they've provided for us, you've provided for us, you've given us all these great things. But Joseph is thinking of the great promise to Abraham. He's thinking of the great promise to Isaac and the great promise to Jacob. And he's saying that someday you have a land that's much better. This is a temporary thing. You're being provided for here. Pharaoh has allowed you to have your, your flocks. And Pharaoh has allowed you to have your crops. And Pharaoh has allowed you to have some things. Well, God has much better for you. God has much greater for you. God has a place, it's called Canaan, where, where, the, where it, it was described as, as a land where it's flowing with milk and honey. The pastures are so thick and so green that the cows and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the bees, they, they are so fertile that it's just flowing with milk and honey. And, and, and Joseph has this in his heart, and he says, I don't want my bones left here in Egypt where there's just a little bit of provision for you. I want you to take me where God has promised us to be. And I want to go to that place where God has promised us. Now I want to tell you something. There's a problem in the Christian world today. There's a problem in the, in, in the Western civilization of Christianity, and that is this. We don't long for heaven. We don't long to be where Christ is. We don't long to go and be with our Savior the way that we should. We don't, we don't have that sense of urgency about those around us who, who don't know Christ and, and who aren't a part of His family. You want to know why? Because we're, we're content to be in Egypt. We're content to be in Egypt. We're content. Things are good here. Things are wonderful here. We have everything. We have all the comforts that anybody could have. We have it better than any civilization, any group of people who have ever lived. And what we have done is we've become comfortable. And we've become at ease there. And we, we're saying, we, we, we live in such a way as to say, well, you know, this is a great this is a great place this is a great world and this is all we have everything that we could ever want we're we're wealthy and we're productive and and we have air conditioning and we have heat in the in the in the winter time and, and we have everything flowing water and all the things all the creature comforts and we have become so caught up in what the, the Christian American dream the Christian American dream that says, if I give my life to Christ, then Christ is just going to bless me abundantly here. And as the book title says, this is my best life now. Hogwash. This ain't nothing. This, this, ain't, this ain't nothing. I have a home in heaven. Jesus told me in John chapter 14, he was talking to the disciples who were there with him, and he said, I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare that place, I'm coming back to get you, and I'm going to take you there with me. There's going to be a resurrection. 
And I want you to think about this. I mentioned this on Sunday evenings before. I want, I want you to think about this. God the Father in creation, in creation in six days. I want you to think about what God the Father did and Jesus Christ as a part of creation. John says all things were created through him, by him, and for him. In six days, think about the wonders of this world. Now, I don't get to travel a lot. I watch y'all on Facebook. Y'all go all over the world, so I just live vicariously through y'all. Y'all go to some beautiful places. But in six days, now, I'm going I'm to put myself in a, in a category that's in the minority now. Because when it, the Bible says that God created everything we see in six days, you know what I believe? He did it in six days. I don't believe that that 6,000-year days, I don't believe that that was evolutionary through billions of years. I believe that was six literal 24-hour days. You know why I believe that? Because it's black and white what it says in the Bible. And I'm in the minority now. Even among ministers, I'm in the minority because I believe that way. You can believe whatever you want to believe. God will straighten you out when you get to heaven. I'm right. Okay? I'm right. I've got a degree to say it. All right? Well, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. Six days, six 24-hour days, Yosemite, six 24-hour days, the ocean, six 24-hour days, every star and every galaxy. When I was a kid, we were taught that there were thousands of galaxies. Some of y'all are older than me. Y'all were taught that there's two or three. Now what do we know? We not only know that there are billions of stars, but we know that there are billions of galaxies. Six 24-hour days. You know what? Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. And he's been, he promised us that when he left, he was going to what? His task when he left was to go and prepare a place for us. And I'm going to tell you something. If this is what he did in six days, I want you to think what he's done in 2,000 years. And I, I want to tell you something. This is beautiful, and, and, and this is wonderful, and I love God's creation, and I've said this a dozen times. The most beautiful thing in all the world to me is to drive down Daly Street and look up at Duggar Mountain. Some of y'all have probably been to Mount Kilimanjaro or somewhere like that. It ain't nothing compared to Duggar Mountain in the springtime. But I'm going to a place that's so much better. I, I want you to know, Joseph on his deathbed, Joseph was leaving his brothers, he was leaving his children. Joseph wasn't in a hurry to leave. But Joseph had a stirring in his soul. He knew that the land of Egypt, he knew that it was the greatest civilization that had ever been in history up to that moment. But he knew that, he, he knew that these people were going so, somewhere so much better. And he wasn't just thinking about Canaan. He was thinking about on beyond. And he was thinking about how they were headed to a better land. And I want you to think about this. Even in his grave, Joseph knew that he was on his way to the promised land. And all 
all that time. I, I was thinking about this as I was, I, I, was, I was studying this scripture and I was thinking about this as those people from Israel, as those people, uh, the Hebrew children, those Israelites, as they're leaving Canaan, as they're leaving Egypt headed to Canaan, they've got a casket with them. They've got a casket with them. And some of the younger people are probably saying, why we got this casket with us? Why in the world are we carrying a casket? It'd be kind of like if you, had a, if you had a relative that had passed away and their dream was always to go to Disneyland. <laughs> and and, y'all, and you, your family's going on a vacation to Disneyland and y'all got to earn out and say, well, Grandpa always wanted to go to Disneyland. Let's get him in the car. We'll, we'll take him with us. The kids would all be going, what in the world are we doing? This is crazy. And there were probably some who thought this is just, this is, this is absurd that we're taking. But then, listen, Joseph, who had been gone for 200 years, it gave those people like Moses and Aaron, and those people, it gave them an opportunity to say, this was a great man of faith. This man had so much faith in the God who's made us this promise of where we're going that he wanted us to take his casket, and he wanted us to take his bones with us. And they were able to tell the great story of Joseph. And they were able to tell what he had done and, and how he had saved his people and how they had become this great nation that was leaving on this exodus out of Egypt. I want to tell you something else. In this life, it don't make sense. That's not good grammar. But in this life, it doesn't make sense. There are things that happen in this world that just baffle me. There are situations that I see. There are tragedies that I hear, and there are things that, that go on. There are situations that I've been through in this church in the last 20 years with, with families that it just grieves me, and I, I don't understand it. But you know what? It gives me an opportunity in every situation to say, as Paul said in Romans 8.18, I know that the sufferings of this present life are nothing to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us someday. And I know this, I know that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life, shed his blood for my sins, and is the only way for me to have forgiveness of my sins, and that someday these things that troubled me and some things, these things that I don't understand, and sometimes when I've sat down with individuals and I've said, you won't understand this until you get to heaven. But I know that someday I will be there and as glorious and as wonderful as, the create, as, as everything that Jesus has prepared for us will be, the greatest thing about heaven will be that I will be in the presence of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I will have peace in my heart that I can't even understand now. I have peace in my soul and in my mind and I'll never be troubled or worried by anything else again, and I will be at rest with him. And that will matter more than anything. I, 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 I can't wait to go to the New Jerusalem and see streets of gold and gates of pearls and all those things, but if those things weren't there and Jesus was there, it wouldn't matter to me. That's what I'm longing for, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm living for, and on my way to heaven... I'm going to take the long look. I'm going, to be, I'm going to look beyond where I am right now, and I'm going to know that Christ conquered death. Joseph didn't have the power, and all of his, and, and all the blessings that God bestowed upon him, 
He didn't have the power on his own to conquer death. It took Jesus going to the cross and rising from the tomb to conquer death. And I have to know that I'm on my journey home. And I don't know when that journey will end. But I know someday it will end. And I know that someday my soul will leave this body. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I know that my soul will leave this body. And I know that someday there will be a resurrection. And this body will be rejoined with that soul. A glorified body that will live for eternity. And I'm going to get to meet Joseph. And I'm going to get to meet Moses. But most importantly, I'm going to get to see Jesus. And this morning, I want to, I want to tell you, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you don't know that you've been forgiven of your sins, and you don't know that your place is an eternal uh, relationship with Him in heaven, this would be the day to begin that. Because this would be the most memorial day of your life, of your eternity. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, I thank you for each and every one who is here this morning. I pray that through your scriptures that you have, you have given us something to think about. You've given us something to, to live closer to you for. And I pray if there are any here this morning who don't know Christ as Savior through the forgiveness of their sins, if there are those who need to follow you in believers' baptism or through membership in a church, Whatever it is, if there are those who just need to come this morning and pray and thank you for what you've done in their lives. Whatever it is we need to do, God, I pray that we would do it in this time of worship, reflection, and decision. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.